Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast. Instead um, of Jeannie hosting today, Priyanka, I'm going to be hosting this podcast today. And we have a very, very special guest. And her name is Grace Nozet. So hi, Grace. How are you doing? Hi, I am doing well on this somewhat rainy morning. <laughs> um, <laughs> coming in from Coast Salish territory. It's exciting to be here with you folks. Awesome, we're so excited to have you here. Um, So why don't you tell us about yourself? I think sometimes we focus on the wrong things in society about who you are. And um, one of the coolest things about working with organizers at the Climate Hub, which I will get into in a moment, is um, how they've highlighted that we can share our vulnerabilities and not just our strengths or kind of you know, our careers don't define us, our age doesn't define us, these other things don't define us. So it's kind of interesting to think about how to tell the story of yourself um, and how you want to show up in the world. Uh, But I guess what's important to me is that I'm a a storyteller uh, and a climate justice organizer and activist. And um, one of the greatest joys in my life the past couple of years has been founding the Climate Hub at the University of British Columbia, which is a hybrid structure that allows students to really set a climate justice agenda um, and be supported by the administration. Um, I am the very proud mama of a rescue dog. And um, I love just writing and telling stories and meeting new people and learning about humans. Oh, that's awesome. That's so great. I know um, just from a couple years ago and reading up on your website that you've created this series, this trilogy called the Ava of the Gaia Trilogy. And why don't you tell us more about that? I had been reading a lot of I love young adult fantasy and I loved it when I was smaller and it was one of the few places where I saw people challenging the idea of patriarchy and heteropatriarchy and these structures Um, and I just like love reading about powerful women (laughs) but I wasn't reading that much that really wove in this connection to um, other creatures and other beings and kind of climate and climate justice. And, you know, I think teens are so ready to care about the world and people and its inhabitants. And, you know, uh, so I thought it was just such a, a fun time to create those stories and everything is always so apocalyptic. And so I wrote a very joyful kind of ode to our place in the world and being able to connect with other humans and other animals. And and it was very fun. And I've heard that the books are wildly readable, which is great um, because I, you know, I wanted uh, to take climate justice and make it accessible to a broader audience. Um, so those were really my first foray into story and I started writing them when I was quite young still in university and it's so interesting because the stories that I tell now have evolved and moved um, but I do hear from a lot of folks that they love the first book because it kind of meets you um, where you are and then the books kind of change in complexity as you go on so that's always fun and I guess I don't want to blather on too much but just the importance of story um that that the way we're going to win on climate and these other things is is we we have to move more people we have to have more people understand the the problems and want to take action on that and um i think we just need so much more story on on climate justice and environmental justice and what you folks are doing so i really commend you for making this podcast 
Thank you so much. Yeah, and just like hearing that you're a storyteller, that's just so beautiful. I feel like the art of storytelling and just sharing um, our personal stories, or even if it's fictional, has been sort of lost throughout the years. And um, I also really applaud you for bringing that up and spreading more of that within your books. And um, I can't wait to once COVID um, is gone and the restrictions are lifted for people to read more of your books. Well, thank you. They're actually um, all free as ebooks to download across platforms. Um, if you, yeah, I wanted to make them as accessible as possible because I go into schools and I speak about them. And this is really about up, uplifting folks, empowering them, introducing these other climate justice ideas. So, uh, yeah, I think they're a good, a good thing to read during the pandemic. Very, very hopeful uh, uh, imagining of our world. But <laughs> Um, just the importance of story, I guess what I wanted to add is um, I am a PhD candidate in law. Um, so technically I'm a lawyer and I have my master's of law and, and now I'm getting my, my PhD. Um, and I study how the fossil fuel industry has kind of created doubt and created these kind of really powerful and insidious climate narratives. Um, and they've been so successful at that over the last 40 years. And so to me, that makes storytelling even more important. Um, and one of the things now that one of the new narratives that they're really using is kind of individual responsibility, consumer choice, and all of those things are important in their own way. But what we're really trying to talk about at the hub and what I've really spent the last many years of my life saying is, if you're going to take one hour to do something, calling your bank to ask them to divest from fossil fuels and, and projects like Trans Mountain or, um, you know, voting, getting your friends and family to vote, phone banking in an election, that one hour of doing that versus looking up LED light bulbs just is so different in its amplification and ability to impact others or even just meeting another person and being kind and growing with them and then being able to bring them into your community of climate action. Yeah, that brought up an interesting point. Um, it actually brought me back a couple of years when during um, our trek year, we had a couple of projects going on. And one of the things that uh, the groups did was they called their local um, people in government and they called them to make a change and um, focus on climate and sustainability. And I thought that that was connected to right what you were saying. And I think that's so awesome how you're spreading the message. And it's not just reaching adults, it's reaching teens and the younger generation. And I think that's so very important. What was so cool. So the David Suzuki Foundation partnered with us to make this incredible video kind of about that and some other work that we're doing. And what's so moving about it is that like we really had these students feel their power in that moment of taking that action. And when you feel powerful and like you can shape your own future, that the mental health, just importance of that is just unbelievable. And so that's the other thing that has driven a lot of my work over the past four years. I feel like there's a moral responsibility to make young people feel like they have a place in this world and they have a future. And I have a lot of empathy for you folks, because I'm sure since you're in this space, you're very engaged and empathetic and taking in a lot of news that is not easy to process. Um, and you deserve to still get to 
feel joyful and hopeful and like the entire world is not resting on your shoulders. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, we've created this thing called the Youth Climate Ambassador Program, um, which is really cool. Now we're pivoting during the pandemic, but you can find out more about it at the Climate Hub website or at Be the Change Earth Alliance, our partners. And, and it's this whole, everything I'm talking about, like storytelling, justice, um, joyful community, agency, we kind of weave all those threads through this workshop that we give to high school students to let them kind of feel their emotions and, and kind of flip the script on, on how powerful they can be in climate. So that has been one of the other great joys of my life. That is so moving. Thank you for sharing. Um, I think you also talked a lot about the Climate Hub and for our listeners that don't know what that is, can you talk more about that? In 2017, a group of like grad students and undergrads who led different environmental groups all around campus came together and started meeting because we wanted to see climate justice show up in the new strategic plan UBC was creating and we wanted it to come up really powerfully and, and we didn't know each other. Um, and out of that, we kind of started organizing as this collective because the two things we could all agree on is that we wanted climate justice to be elevated. This sense that climate change is not something that just happens to polar bears, which I cannot believe is still a narrative, but that it's this, it's the greatest human rights issue of our time, that any anything that creates injustice will be exacerbated by a warming planet, that we wanted to focus on systems change, that you know, everyone keeps trying to reduce their own carbon footprint, but that's playing the game in the way the fossil fuel industry has laid out the rules. And what we actually need to be doing is changing the game. We need governments to change regulation and to phase things out and to do this other stuff, to take concerted action, to, to coordinate. So we came together and we started organizing and I had this idea that we needed a hub because I had seen how important connection was to the movement. And I'd seen people kind of doing this on an individual level, just knowing what was happening in all of these scenes and building relation and, and bringing that together. And um, I, uh, I proposed it to kind of this collective that we were organizing with and folks got very excited. And so we held our own town hall at the university and got like 300 folks out to imagine a future with us. And we got people talking about climate justice and the hub. Um, and then we were, we worked kind of in tirelessly as this group of students to come up with a proposal for the hub, like really detailed and like went to the execs at UBC and they, they funded us. And now we have this kind of student research and action and policy hub um, because students are young folks, you know, they're the ones who have a different vision of the future and especially young folks of color or who don't fit into these other systems. Like they're the ones who are gonna see the gaps and be able to propose a different way of doing this. They're the ones the status quo serves the least. And so really holding and centering those voices and those proposals for a future is our is our best way at having a just future and 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 addressing climate justice. So, 
um, the hub really, it's so cool. But also like, if you think about it, lots of climate activism you do for free, unfortunately. Um, and that makes it unavailable to a lot of people because a lot of students are working or supporting their family or doing these other things. And so it was very important to me that students got paid for this work that they were doing and we could create space for folks to be paid. And that's what's so cool about the hub. Um, all of our student employees are paid, uh, although folks also volunteer with the hub, but the people really kind of doing that work where they're putting in many, many, many hours get, get recognized for that. And I think that opens up a different group of people who can show up and, and feel like they're part of this because you folks know the movement has been very white and very, middle class and very male for a long time. Um, so yeah, making sure that it feels accessible to more people. Yeah, I think that's so important and so empowering that it's bringing a community together. And it's also empowering people who would not necessarily feel that comfortable, especially with the norms that we have in society. And it makes me genuinely happy that people who do not always get an opportunity have this great a way to get connected with the environment and with other people who have the same passion um, passion as them. I am a UBC student, but I am at the Okanagan campus. I was just wondering if like the Climate Hub was mainly centered on the Vancouver campus or if like there was plans to go to the Okanagan. Awesome, so topical. We are actually doing a huge push right now to get a hub at uh, UBCO. We're really hoping that that happens. All of our programming is open to UBCO students. And since it's all virtual, it's quite easy to come to our showcase and these other things. And we're totally focused on um, racial justice and climate justice this year. That's really kind of the, the big, all the threads that we're coming together on. One of the things we do is we hold a community chat every Wednesday. And it's just to come and to know people because that's the work. That is the climate work. The more we know each other, the more we love each other, like the more you know other people and can work with them and feel empowered and inspired, just the more you're going to do it. So with your background in education and law, would you ever, and you talked a lot about governments needing to take action, but I hear that a lot from people, but at the same time, they themselves could have the opportunity to go into politics. Would you ever consider running for something or joining a political group to try to push for larger impact? Yeah, great question. Um, I absolutely want to see young people run. Uh, I would absolutely love to see young folks of color, uh, non-binary folks, queer folks, like we, that's who we need in office. And it was really exciting in the, in the most recent US election to see some of those folks um, get elected. And so I'm open to the idea of running. I haven't closed it off. Um, but I spend a lot of time thinking about how, how my specific skill set could be the most beneficial um, to the movement. And, you know, the people who run are just one part of like a massive team. Like they have people who run their campaigns, many people who run their campaigns, like all of these people behind them. So there's so many places to plug in and to do that. And citizens, I think have a huge role to play. Um, I campaign in every election in the US 
and Canada, like at the local level, at the provincial level, at the national level. Like I, sometimes it's just to get young people to vote because I think that's a critical part of our democracy. And I think as long as we don't vote in higher numbers, you know, we, we're not going to have the policy changes that we want to see. Um, sometimes a special climate justice candidate like really catches my eye and I work more specifically uh on that but yeah I definitely always try to walk the walk if I'm gonna ask other people uh to do it I've trained many people to then be their own like election organizers getting their friends and family to talk about these issues and I just find it generative on many levels we need to practice talking about what we care about with our community it can't feel so taboo to say hey this really matters to me. Um, I'm putting this out here. Does it matter to you? And I think we're still afraid to talk about politics or come across as patronizing. And democracies are just too fragile at the moment. And people are suffering too much for that to be, to continue to be the way of moving through the world. What I have noticed over the past couple of years is that before, um, a lot of my peers were very aware of um, what's going on with the climate, but nobody really knew how to take a real stance and make a real change with climate justice. But now I've been hearing so many different groups of people actually going up to the government levels and making a change because they feel empowered to, and they have people like themselves who have the same goal. And that's just so empowering. And I think that's a theme throughout this um, throughout our podcasts and throughout this specific one is just the empowerment that young people can feel just when just when you have other people supporting you. Mental health is a very serious thing. And if you don't feel like you have a future, that's incredibly wearing. So feeling instead like you're plugged into this community of other empathetic people and engaged and taking on this existential threat together and see how you're making a difference and see how you're kind of bringing your community up. You know, that's so important. Truly telling your community that you care, that this is a justice issue and that you need them to start voting on these terms, that it's not enough. And it's definitely also spreading the word to other generations. I found that one of the more difficult ways to um, sort of talk about climate justice and the environment. But I also want to hear about your podcast, Planet Potluck. How is that going? How did it get started? And tell us about what it is. So it's on a little hiatus. <laughs> uh, but there are six episodes out and I love them. Um, and I've heard really, really joyful things about people being moved um, by the episode. Essentially, what was happening is that people kept sending me climate stories like documentaries and other things and being like look like you like climate like here <laughs> and I was like I don't want to watch this or read this or listen to this it is paralyzing it is very sad but I eat breathe live climate so if I don't want to be consuming those stories like how are we going to be reaching this massive group of people that we need to? You know, we've got 20% or so of folks who like know this is an emergency, know that it's inextricably linked to all these other systems. But then there's this big chunk of, I don't know, 40% of folks who if we, if we had them on side, we could pass incredibly bold legislation and create a new future. And they care about climate change, but they don't necessarily think it's urgent. They don't necessarily think it's going to impact them in these super ways. They're not going to vote on it. Not very many people had it as their driving issue, although lots of young folks did. And I think a lot of young folks brought it to the table 
just always so surprising to me that there is still a huge group of people who are not voting on climate. And it shouldn't be that surprising because, of course, climate feels further away when there are other things to when when there is so much happening in the world. Essentially, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to create the kind of stories on climate that I would want to hear. And I created a podcast that shared stories of kind of joy, hope and connection from climate. There have to be some spaces of lightness as well. I think that also just hearing everything that you said now and also before, I think that it opens up a larger topic of discussion and keeping the conversation going, um, hearing, you know, people's personal stories. And I think that also touched on the other topics that you brought up, such as like climate justice, you know, uh, people of color and marginalized groups. I think that it's super important for any area that is sort of like quote unquote lacking or that the government doesn't really pay attention to, to just keep the conversation going and open it up to more people and for more people to get involved and learn. Awesome. Thank you so much, Grace. That was very, very insightful. Um, Yes, and I definitely learned a lot of things. So for our listeners, if you'd like to reach out to Grace Nozek, um, there is a website and we will put that in the description. of this podcast episode. I am so impressed with what you folks are doing. Um, and I commend you. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right, thank, thank you, you so much. Have, Have a good a rest nice of your day. day.